What's going on, people? How you doing? So, this is uh, the third episode of Unmapped. And before I get started, I have a couple more updates because I keep changing things on the show. And I'm sorry, but, you know, I gotta do what I gotta do. I gotta figure out what I want to happen on this show. And I just want to throw some quick updates your way for uh, what I'm going to be changing this time. So first of all is the length. So I uh, actually got some feedback from a lot of my friends and a lot of people that I know who uh, have been listening to the episodes. And uh, the biggest uh, thing that I got back from people is the fact that the show is a little too long, especially for the average millennial or 20 year old who's, you know, constantly busy or doesn't have uh, the attention span to listen to in an entire hour of me and someone random talking to me about random stuff which is understandable i mean this show isn't anyone famous or anyone who's made it so you know keeping it short to the point is probably important so what i'm going to be doing is keeping the show to about 25 to like 45 minutes somewhere in between there and um so that's the first thing is uh, changing the length and then the second thing is um, before I get started with talking to the people who come onto the show I'm gonna actually be giving a preface <laughs> yeah I know I love that word preface it makes me sound smart um, but yeah I'm gonna be giving a little like like uh, intro to them or like a little summary um, on who they are you know what they're doing what their plans are and just like a general idea of uh, you know that person um just to kind of set the pace for what the podcast is actually going to be about and last but not least i'm probably going to be getting rid of the intro and outro music just because of the fact that one it's unnecessary the audio kind of gets messed up with uh, the levels of volume and um honestly i don't have the best idea of copyright laws so i don't want to be using anything that i don't you know i'm not allowed to use and then i get in trouble for using it and then like this gets shut down before i even get it up and running and you know all those problems with you know yeah so it's an entire ordeal there so what i'm probably gonna be doing is just for these couple of episodes um letting it uh just be the the talk just me talking and then me talking to the person and then over the next uh, week or two what i'm going to be doing is i'm going to probably be working with someone so that i can find uh uh intro slash outro for the show in general, something that will, you know, be there long term, and I'll kind of commit to, um, and uh, da, 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 I think, I think that's it. So a little background on the Heffler for this episode, the big and most important thing for right now is that today he just finished his LSAT. Um, for those of you who do not know what that is, that is the um, basically the standardized test standard. Oh my gosh standardized test to get into a uh, law school or law program and uh, he's been studying for the uh, last couple of weeks just straight uh, nothing but work you know been on the grind and tonight we actually uh, went out uh, it's around 2 28 a.m as i'm recording this i will be getting it out probably like 4 a.m and i might as well just finish it while i'm in the process of recording it but um He's a political science and EDP double major. He is 21, and he's had a major impact on the college Republicans for the college that he attends. He's uh, had a uh, quite a background in the political world, and I strongly believe that he will have a strong impact on his political endeavors and you know whatever he does in his future. So with that said, I'm going to let the recording play, and uh, yeah, this is episode three. Welcome, guys.
so yeah how's it feel finishing your lsat that's like the yeah no we're recording yeah so that's a, probably the first question is is how does it feel finishing your test because you've been studying a week straight for that test i've been studying weeks straight but i gotta back up a little bit what do you mean you gotta back up a little bit well first we're gonna give a big shout out here to the unmapped show. <laughs> for, for pushing out content at 4 a.m. in the fucking morning. 2.30. 2.30 well, I mean, Right now it's 2.30, but we're just getting started out here. Yeah, yeah. This is this is true. I got to finish this recording and then put it out. But honestly, what I realized is that if I'm not committed to this 100%, it's not... Like, I'm not going to be doing myself justice. There's no point. You know, you got you to gotta put it all in. It's go hard or go home. Go hard or go home. We need a thousand true fans. <laughs> and if we don't got a thousand true fans, then what are we doing? So I mean, right. So first off, shout out, you know, to Unmapped. I, was, I never got the I never got the whole saying of go hard or go home because I seen nothing wrong with going home. Never go home. Second, <laughs> second, second off, second <laughs> off, Imran brings up my LSAT. I gotta say, I'm chowing down right now. That's the most important thing going on right now. So I, I'm taking the LSAT today, as we pointed out, as we as we're pointing out, and what is kind of strange to me is how when I got there, people were like freaking out, like like literally like biting their hands off, like not you know you've seen people biting their fingernails off. Mm-hmm. I mean these people are like biting their hands off, and. I mean, really, the point and the basis of a standardized test is that the material is standardized. So you literally know the standard of the test, and you know what's about to be on it. Yeah, but I think the the, the reason why people will be stressing out at, at a test like that is because of the fact that it has such a large impact on you know their future, what they're going to do, where they're going to get accepted. And I think that cha- I mean that changes everything. For who they may become uh, later on down the line. I mean, the implications of your score are huge. Um, I have a lot of above average credentials. I really do. Oh, what a um, tough guy. No, no. I'm just telling you. I, I, have a, I have a wonderful GPA. I have a lot of contacts. Um, you got friends? Got a lot of friends. The one area that is super, super, um, I guess you could say uncertain, is, is the LSAT. And, you know, I've studied hard for the past two or three months. And, I, you know, at this point, I kind of know exactly, I mean, I, I took the test today. But before today, I kind of knew exactly where I stood. So what's, what's, what's confusing to me is how you have these kids freaking out so hard. When the test is literally the same every single time. Well, I mean, no, I, I, I know what you're saying. I understand that, but I can also see why they'd be stressed. Like, even though the test itself is standardized, if you think about it, it's like that test is the one that matters because every other test is self-administered. Administered. They take it on their own time. Even if they did time it, it's you know at their leisure. It's they picked the day out. It happened, and they knew they were gonna take it that day. But like. You know, it was their own, like, you know, from their book or whatever. And, like, they, you know, didn't feel that stress of, uh, like, I'm in a testing room. And, you know, I'm going to take it right now. And this is the one that matters. Like, this is it. Yeah, it's... I I mean, I think the biggest thing is for people, it's like, this is it. 
Mm-hmm. See, I mean that that is tr- that's true to an extent. Um, less now, believe it or not, because now the you, you can take the LSAT as many times as you want. But I mean, when you're sitting in that room, when you're like, like, I I mean, I texted you this morning, and I you know I I, I texted a couple people this morning, mm-hmm. and I said I'm about to go on the test. Uh, you know, ice in the veins. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, fake it till you make it. You know, I'm telling everybody, oh, you know, I'm chill. You know, I'm relaxed. I'm chilling. You know, I'm 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 cold as ice. You know, I'm gonna ace this test. When you sit down and that proctor starts delivering the instruction, yeah, your heart rate goes up. Completely it's, different ballgame. It's bound to happen. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm gonna get the results back from today in about a month. Like a little bit less than a month. Um, I thought it was two weeks to for like the GRE and the LSAT. It might be different with the LSAT. I get the results back on October twelfth. October twelfth. Yeah. So okay, so that's about about a month. A little a, bit less than a month. A little bit less than a month. Right. Right. And I, I mean, I'm I'm not that nervous. To, like to be honest with you, um, I think that I scored exactly kind of where I was during the practice tests. And, uh, I mean, the practice tests where I was scoring was sufficient for my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, I guess we can get into my life, but... <laughs> Is that where we're going? I mean, off the back? I mean, uh, you know, my life is... I guess, yeah, I guess we can go into my life. I mean, All right, let's go into it. Let's go just dive right into it. Because honestly, this episode was one of the ones where, because of the fact that I'm switching the the template of this one overall, I was like, I want to make the 30 minutes as interesting as fucking possible. Um, well, I, I told you. I said, Imran, Unmapped will not survive as a one-hour show. No, th- it's true. No, you, you did. You explained that to me, and it's true. I mean, most people don't have the attention span. People are reading tweets that are 14 characters long. It's sad to say. But the media of today has to be like less than two sentences. <laughs> like if you're over two sentences, you're exorbitant. <laughs> you're exorbitant. Do you think you're... that's why Donald Trump has has yeah. surpassed all of his competitors? Just the fact that he keeps it abrupt to the point, one two sentences, says something, says sad, and then that's it. <laughs> to the point. I mean, you know. We're not even talking about Donald Trump, but he comes into play here because <laughs> we're talking about success. You know, we're talking about how to succeed, how to create a successful podcast, and um, the bottom line here, what what we're deducing is that you have to get right to the point. Uh, you know, you have to deliver content um, in a, in a quick way, and analogous to this is is Donald Trump and uh, really you know how he delivers his I'm not feeling it I'm not feeling it we gotta go back a little bit. we're not gonna go back it's uh, the podcast started you just gonna go with it this is how it goes I, I already fucked up on the recording like two times just letting you guys know so this is like our third attempt here I know I keep messing up but we're gonna keep going here no huh. but the, what do you mean how? We can keep going. That's how it goes. That's how the podcast goes. There's no editing here. It's just filter, unfiltered conversation for 20-year-olds by 20-year-olds. And that's what we do here. Um, 
No, so with the fact is that most of the people in the media, like like the thing that I'm doing right here, it's like it's 2.50 in the morning, like I'm going to put in the work. Like most people nowadays, our age, don't have the attention. We just came back from a bar, and most of the people at that bar, I feel as though they just didn't have an attention span. Like I saw so many women there. Like it's like oh a guy would talk come up they would talk to her I didn't see that many women there okay 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 so I saw three women there and of the three women all three were either there was just one that was yawning and then there was two of them who would like at multiple times a guy would come up to her talk to her and then you know it they wouldn't vibe you know, you know the ball guy yeah the ball guy that was there what was what was that guy's deal I don't know what that guy was doing he, he I think he he. He seemed like one of those guys that never was able to get a girl, but he's like, oh, like, I'm a nice guy. Like, what happened? But he looked like he, like, when he was younger, like, he started working out. and he like would kill me. He, no, no, that guy was huge. That guy would have killed us. That guy was huge. If you fucked with him, he would have murdered Two on one, us. that guy would have murdered us. Yeah, without a doubt. But he seemed like the type, like, he started working out because he didn't have confidence, but then he still never got confidence. Like, how do you get that bald? He was so bald. <laughs> no, 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 seriously. Like, if I tried to get that bald, I couldn't do it. Nah, he went straight for the the shaved look. He's like bald. No, but he he rocked it. I like, think he rocked it. Like he shaved his head, and then he walked into the bar. Like immediately. Like immediately. I mean, maybe that's his fresh cut. You know, some people get fresh cuts and then go to the bar. Maybe his is a fresh shave. He was bald as fuck. He was Mister Fucking Clean. He wasn't. No, honestly, now that you say, he, he wasn't talking to those females, but he, he was wasn't sitting. Next he was. He was sitting next to them awkwardly, looking over, me like I wonder what I would say. Like he he seemed like the average like freshman college student that didn't know what to do i i i ordered a couple beers at the bar and i i ordered them like right next to that guy mm-hmm. and he was nice so I, I i don't know what his intentions were at all mm-hmm. um he was certainly intimidating mm-hmm. and i mean i mean obviously we didn't approach you know the females that were there no, but this goes back to the point that I was saying is that the females there, like every every time I looked over at one of them, they as soon as a guy wouldn't or like didn't vibe with them or they didn't connect immediately, like like that, they would go right to their phone and be like, "Oh, I wonder what kind of stimulus I can get from my phone instead of fucking you know enjoying what I'm doing right here." Like the entire time I was there, like I didn't want to go out tonight. You know, I was like, I want to knock out eleven, um, eleven, twelve ish. And I had no intention of going out. But once I was there, I was like, no phone. I don't want to look at my phone. I'm going to spend all of my energy, you know, here in the moment. And I feel like people don't do that anymore because when their phones, they can go in the past, in the future, you know, look up the news. Mm-hmm. It's a constant just, just, just shit, just getting thrown at them. And they're like, oh, like there's so much stuff. Like, why do I got to be doing yeah. what I'm doing right now? I mean, and again, basically what you're saying kind of relates back to every single thing we've said in this podcast so far. Uh, in, in reverse chronological order for the most part um, <laughs> the rise of Donald Trump I, I don't even know how this got into the podcast but I mean <laughs> yeah naturally it's in the podcast um, you know people are looking for the quickest fastest stimuli and Donald Trump via his tweets via his comments via his press conferences he provides that he does. I mean, I think that's why he appealed to such a large majority of yeah. people is that he was quote unquote a people person. He right? just you know? he just said things. <laughs> he just said what he thought. Yeah. Here's... And to the people, I mean, I mean, after so many, I think I feel like years of like reality TV and like seeing just these people, you know, being up, you know. Here's the best way to put it. Listen, listen here's the best way to put it. All right, send it. 
Donald Trump took a road trip across the middle of America. <laughs> and the entire way, his window in the seat that he was sitting in, his window was rolled down. And he took notes on what he heard on his road trip. Mm-hmm. Took, you know, good notes mm-hmm. across the road trip, across the country. And then he turned around once he got to the end of the road trip and he had a megaphone in his hand and he repeated what, he's, what he heard. Exactly what he heard. Yeah, that's exactly you know, what he did. And he did a great. The thing is, like, I can't deny that he did a great job doing what he set out to do. There was nothing fancy about what he did. No, no. He just, he just said exactly what he heard. Mm-hmm. And un- unfortunately, um, you know, a-, a lot of people can't, like, wrap... They can't wrap their heads around how he succeeded, mm-hmm. how he won. I think those people are just the ones that don't understand how, the you know, the social or political system works, where they don't really think about... The majority of people, they're kind of just in their little... Yeah, like, I can totally understand why a particular person might say he shouldn't have won. Mm -hmm. You know, he has bad ideas. Yes, yeah. I don't agree with those ideas. But the fact that he, like, did win... He won. He won. Yeah. And these same... And and a certain particular portion of the population, like, cannot fathom how he accomplishes. Right. But I just explained it. I just explained it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's he drove. He drove down Main Street with his window down... He heard what they said. He repeated what they said, and that's how he. And that's it. That's it. Mm -hmm. Easy, simple as that. Yeah, (laughs) I mean, honestly, he was probably surprised himself that he ended up in that position. Um, to his wife, she definitely did not expect to end up the first lady of the United States. Very possible. Very possible. You see her face; she's distraught. She's like, "How did this happen?" Very possible, but from the beginning, he knew that he could do it. Yes, and I, I, me and um, Pooh Bear, we talked about this on the last episode. The secret to life is literally just being like, I got this. Fake it till you make it. Fake it till you make it. I but, mean, yeah, no one that said they couldn't do it ever did it. Yeah. Donald Trump was never like, you know what, I can't be president. Yeah. Because if he said that he couldn't be president, he wouldn't have been president. He would have never been president. He would have never been president. He said that he could do it. So, yeah. Yeah, he did it. That's, the, that's necessary. Mm-hmm. Saying that you can do something is necessary, in my opinion, to doing it. Well, yeah, I mean, that that is key. But the, the bigger reason why I obviously wanted to bring up Trump and the Republican Party is because of the fact that you have such a history being a young Republican. Young Republican. Because of the fact that um, most people at this age in their life, uh, given the fact that we're around New York City, given the fact that we're on a college campus, given the fact that we are living in one of the most liberal... Uh, just areas and times where people are always, you know... How could Jeff be a Republican? Yeah, I, I, it's just, you know, it's it's different. It's not the norm to be a Republican. And it's sad to say because I feel like people, it, they've made the whole idea of the political system uh, one versus the other, good versus bad, you know, two sides to, to, to the same cause. But it's not like that. Like, no matter what, at the end of the day, it's the same you know, system, the same government, the same people who are being worked with, you know? Yeah, I mean, real quick, before I really get into it, I'll, I'll paraphrase, and this is a paraphrase, a loose paraphrase, of uh, John Stuart Mill, one of the, definitely one of the greatest 
political philosophers of the 19th century. Um, he was around during the you know, late 1700s, early 1800s, and he basically said uh, that the moment that we begin to absolutely disregard opposing views is the moment that we begin to collapse. And what that implies is that all views are valid and all views have to be considered. And the moment that we disregard a particular view, for example, uh, a, a view that is carried by a Republican, at that moment is when society begins to fail to you know, progress. No, I, I completely agree with that. I, right? Because he, I'll, give you, I'll give you a great example. And this may be an extension of the logic, but here is the example. If you have someone who has a radical ideology or an extremely conservative ideology that you know you can't stand that you believe is wrong when you tell that person whatever they believe that they can't say that or that that, that what they say that what they're saying is weird mm -hmm. or wrong or it, it, it's ostracized you know ostracized, ostracized yeah. that's when we fail that's when as a group of people we fail because we are not allowing debate on whatever that person may yeah, because be saying. Off the back, as soon as you do that, you separate the sides. You make it, you know, two different positions. It's no, it's no longer like, oh, like you have an idea and I kind of have an idea, and let's you know work together and try to find, you know, let's talk it out. Yeah, let's talk it out. That and doesn't find, that find doesn't the middle exist. ground here. That doesn't exist anymore. The moment you outright dismiss a particular idea. Is extremely dangerous and as you know as a college Republican in a pretty liberal campus um, we've combated we, we we've battled against um, certain forces that have strived um, to keep us out in the name of uh, progress really uh, in the name of progress because without um, a, a a a corner uh, a blue corner and a red corner um there's no there's no fight and with no fight there's no winner and to be honest to make progress you need a winner mm -hmm. and, and i mean that's not the only reason why i'm a college republican the, the only reason why i'm a college republican is not because i think we need to have a winner and a loser. There is no single reason why I'm a college Republican. Um, there, there's many reasons why I I have this ideology, which you know, uh, apparently in in day and age and the region of where we are at the moment is obtuse or maybe strange. Um, is quite frankly because I believe it to be true. Um, I mean, that's actually, I mean, that, that goes into uh, what I want to talk about with the fact that, like, given the fact that we are so close to New York City, which is an extremely liberal state full of, you know, hippies and people who are just, you know, rights for everyone, marijuana for everyone, all this, um, 
kind of want to go into the background of like how you you know started as a young Republican you know why you identified as a Republican why you believe in you know that side of um, you know the whole political spectrum I, I would say one of the fundamental components of my set of beliefs is that I believe humans are a are a tribal and are a competitive species um, you can read Karl Marx and from him you can you know deduce that he believes um, that we are all among equals and that the proletariat, or whatever you want to call it, is fighting against the bourgeoisie, you know, the, the elitists. Mm -hmm. um, and that's inherently bad, and as a result of that paradigm, you know, we're going to have a revolt. And, you know, that's what Karl Marx argued. But, I mean, realistically, that, that's the nature, that, that's human nature. Human nature is what being competitive. Competitive. Human nature is. Oh no! Yeah, I mean, biologically speaking, we we evolved because to, we're yeah. a competitive species. Yeah, I mean, the ones that are left are the ones that survive, the ones that adapt, the ones that change and beat everything around them. I if, mean, if you didn't adapt, you died. Yeah. And to to just put that aside and try and create this, um, like Marx, this, this sort of like universal theory about humans about human existence uh, like uh, that's just, that's just not going to work mm -hmm. you know what i mean because we're so we're also individual we're, we i believe that we all have this inner like hunger almost to right. to succeed yeah and the second you disregard that it, you know you're just in the wrong right. i mean because the second you dis disregard our inner human nature you're you're beginning to put faith in something that doesn't deserve to have faith right um well i mean going going into um and i talk about this all the time like one of my philosophy courses one of my in my phenomenal phenomenology course um we constantly discuss the uh position of the e um what's it called the egocentric predicament or the protagonist complex or the just the fact that when you're a person, you're, you know, no matter what situation you're in, you are kind of stuck in your own mind. You can't really think about things from another person's mind. You know, the saying goes, you know, put yourself in someone else's shoes. But you cannot, you can't literally, you can't really do that. But you can try. And the thing is, I think people now more than ever are lacking that ability to try and put themselves in someone else's shoe. I, I would, I would agree. I mean, we're only, um, only been around for about 21 years yes. but it, it seems like no one has empathy there's, yeah. no, like, there's no empathy anymore it's like if you don't believe what I believe then you're wrong <laughs> and no 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 seriously no it is it's true um right so we just had the activities fair the student activities fair mm -hmm. um on know, campus on campus you know try to get involved in the community here yeah and we had a table next to the college Democrats. And we're friendly with the college mm -hmm. Democrats. And they understand that. And we understand that we're friendly with them. You know, mm -hmm. we're friendly with them, they're friendly with us. 
the weird part was like the people like like the like the random students that would like come up to like our table or their table and just be like oh like you're next to them yeah and like, like them it's that's the biggest like us versus I them mean, you, you mean you both talked about this uh, jordan peterson mentioned stuff like this all the time the idea of the hero archetype and you know the protagonist antagonist issue which like them like there's a them in every one of these situations it's not just like us yeah it, 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 it's really like the paradigm needs to shift like i don't know what's caused it I don't think Trump has caused it. If anything, he's an effect of it. He, I, yeah, I think that's a, a definitely way more accurate representation. Yeah, I don't think he, he, you know, sought out to be who he is. I think just the fact that he saw that this was he a saw position, this opportunity. Yeah, and he again he took advantage of it. I right. mean, he's he's he, a businessman. He drove down Main Street. He heard what they said. He 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 reiterated it yeah. with the microphone. Yeah, he's not a cause. He's an effect. He's an effect. And the effect is because of the way people have been treating one another. I mean, it's. It's really shocking. Like, I mean, given the fact that our community on a global scale is probably one of the most integrated, one of the most uh, just, you know, well uh, infrastructure, you know, put together. Like, our, our, our people, you know, our species has never been this together. This well off. This well off. Yeah, it's an extremely neglected fact that, like, there's never been a point in history where we've lifted people out of poverty at this rate that we have mm-hmm. and it like that's just glossed over yeah it's, um, it's just not look it's not really looked i mean people again this goes back to one of the first things that i was saying was that people are you know like the girls at the bar are immersed in what they're doing and what they have in front of them and they just keep moving forward it's not like looking back onto anything or thinking about what they do before they do it and this goes into something else that I said to you is that I think everyone should have to take a, a philosophy course at least one point in time in their lives. If it's not help, if it's not philosophy, um, the humanities in general I think are extremely important, uh, and just for the well-being of the mind. I think that really a lot of our students today, uh, I mean a lot of the people around me just have no experience in just synthesizing a text mm-hmm. reading a book but reading between the lines not just reading it yeah. for the fact of reading it analyzing some textual <laughs> composition like, right it doesn't really exist it doesn't and i mean you know i don't mean to get political but i mean obviously this is an inherently political conversation when you offer free college you you're lowering the bar. You are lowering the bar. You're, you are. You're saying the more that people are are allowed, they're more capable, and you know have they've meet met the requirements to be capable of going to certain universities. Yeah, you know if you make less than this amount of money and you've never been to college, mm-hmm. well, you know now you can go for free. Mm-hmm. I mean the Excelsior scholarship that's going to literally change lives of probably. Th- thousands if not hundreds of thousands of people from new york new york city i mean you know we'll see how it goes the the excelsior scholarship which if you don't know is a program where you you essentially get a a fully subsidized tuition Mm -hmm. to a state school uh and, and for the amount of years that you accept that tuition you know, you have to stay in the state and work in the state, pay taxes in the state. 
but it, it's really kind of like a new program. It's never really existed in any state. Mm-hmm. And uh, side note, I mean, that's that that's the beauty of federalism, is that, you know... Things like this, programs like that can happen. We can try this in a state without trying mm-hmm. it on the national level. Right. If it fails in New York, well, there's 49 other states that don't have to experience that failure. Mm-hmm. And part of the problem and part of the reason, again, going back to what we were discussing earlier, why I feel strongly about the Republican Party is that the Republican Party, um, you know, advocates for states' rights. Mm-hmm. The state governments and the people who live in states, different states around the country, are essentially components of individual laboratories of law. This is a great example. I mean, you know, if the Excelsior doesn't work, if there seems to be glitches or whatever in New York, very well, we don't have to try this in 49 other states. Right. That's the bottom line. Right. You, you, know, you can name a million examples. Marijuana. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you look at the, just the way uh, states that have enacted marijuana reform laws and have legalized recreational or medicinal marijuana... Like, all the other states are now looking at that, seeing the tax revenue that's happening. I mean, Colorado is probably the best example. Just the revenue that's happening from it. They're seeing the progress that's being made. And, you know, from that example are making, you know, more educated decisions on how to progress in terms of... Yeah, no, it, it, it's really... It, it's so critical. It's actually um, not talked about really at all mm-hmm. in the context of politics or government when you look on, you know, when you turn on the news or... Even if you read the Wall Street Journal or the New York Times, um, I mean, the United States of America is really just such a truly unique country mm-hmm. in that every state is its own state. Mm-hmm. You know, when you look at Europe, it's like every state in the United States is almost like its own country in Europe. Right. right. We're such a huge area. You know, yeah. Physically, it's honestly outrageous. physically and ideologically, that yeah. like, and we're like, we're in New York, like, we don't even like, we don't, we don't, I, it, it, uh, like, we're probably just, we're probably the most different from, from a majority of the regions out in the United like States. Like, we have no idea what people in like Kansas, Oklahoma, yeah. South Dakota, you know, they live such different lives, such different lives. We can't even like, we, we can't fathom it. We can't fathom how they live, yeah. and, and and that's why. To me, anyone that like espouses like expanding the federal government mm-hmm. is naive. Yeah, I don't think you. I mean, if you take into account how large of a system the United States is, I don't think it makes sense to try to, uh, you know, look like, at it in in like terms se- like centralize. Yes, yeah, to centralize it or look at it from just a macroeconomic point of view, where it's like you know large scale, not little scale. Like it makes more sense to localize things, and and, and this is why like I. I'm very glad that uh, I, you know, started taking your perspective on things in terms of reform for, you know, just more localized uh, government. Because um, yeah. it makes more sense. It's easier to manage smaller like, yeah. mass of people. The, the closer your elected officials are to you, the more they're going to reflect. The more they're going to reflect what you believe. Yeah. And bold prediction, I'll give unmapped viewers a bold prediction right now. If the trend continues that we're going on, the United States of America will be like two or three countries within like 40 years. Within 40 years? Yeah. Really? Yes. Why, why do you, th- just based there, upon there, how it's going? Yeah, there's portions of this country that are so polarized. 
that have such I mean just the urban centers of of the United States New York LA and yeah, so New York LA and then maybe like areas of Texas mm-hmm. those three areas are so different from one another that I, I, I seriously could see the United States becoming three different countries I mean didn't Texas want to secede at a point yeah or recede secede secede, secede. secede. yeah, yeah become a different country yeah I mean that didn't that obviously would not. I'm sure there are that. people down there right now that would. But I mean, just taking the consideration that that was a thought that they, that that you know majority of the state had, or you know at least some population of the state had, where it's just like we you know want to separate you know just based on their views and get in comparison to you know the people that were not in Texas, and I, I think Texas is one that stands out more than any of the others. I think Texas. Texan people are very prideful of the, yeah, but, the state but and tex- like where they Texan, are. Like, modern day Texas in my opinion is what like 18th and 19th century United States was like like back in the 1700s and like the the early 1800s when when the United States was just getting on its feet mm-hmm. like a, a uh, someone from Virginia or someone from Maine mm-hmm. I didn't really identify themselves as an American they identified themselves as someone, as a resident of Maine, or a Virginian, right? They identify themselves as a person from that state. So the trend over the past one hundred years, from really the time of FDR till now, uh, I mean, and Barack Obama, you know, I mean, great speaker, you know, pretty good politician, nice family. What he did was he really has socialized and nationalized the United States of America to the point where individual states I mean in, in his in his ideal world Barack Obama's ideal world is one where there are no state lines we're just we're just America and and, and what I believe is that that's just unrealistic unpragmatic and mm-hmm. ultimately if you try and push that envelope we'll you know we'll collapse I I, I think that's probably the biggest reason why uh, Bernie Sanders didn't really make it as far as he could have I feel like he was too idealistic in his approach with I mean, they the say they, 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 right. They say liberals think with their heart. Conservatives think with not their heart. You know, like <laughs> like, like like liberals. Like you've heard the term. Bleeding, I mean, I think bleeding heart liberal. Yeah, yeah, I have. Like, I have. like they purely think from like an emotional point of view. Mm-hmm. And when you try, when you bring emotion into an argument, or when when you have a principle and it's tainted by emotion, mm-hmm. you you lose sight of what's realistic and what you're trying to achieve, and liberals do that too much. So I mean, that I mean I don't want to I don't want to generalize it to all all you know liberals. Cause I think I think to to make it a little bit more specific is you know the the social justice warriors and I mean that that term gets thrown out a lot. It's like those. That that minuscule population of the left or all the way on the right, that's the most loud or vocal or you know wants to get their point across, and I think they're the people who account for uh, what's said for the majority of the group. But then they get generalized and kind of chunked into everything that's said for the group as a whole. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, to an extent, I'm guilty of of boxing people in, but that's only because. I want to win. <laughs> and to win, you have to be mean, to be honest. No, it's true. Like, if you it's ever true. read um, 
um, rules for radicals. Um, I mean, you know, you you basically you, there's no room for mercy. In, there isn't in the book rules for radicals. There isn't by 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 Saul Saul Alinsky. If you have the time, read Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals. Um, I mean, he's far, far to the left, and I'm more to the right. But, I mean, if you want to win, you kind of have to understand your opposition. And Saul, Saul Alinsky basically advocates for the militarization of, of politics. And the, um, you, know, you know, really being malicious in the way that you... You, you, go about going you, for your goals. Yeah, you the, really just having no mercy. I mean, no, that's that's honestly uh, that's probably and not, not what motivates me, but it's definitely something that that I think about when I do stuff that I do. It's just like I I don't see a point in in you know pretending that I don't I'm, that I'm not hungry. You got to be hungry, no matter what Again, it is you're going. For. That goes back to the human nature, you know, like. If you're not the hungriest out there, you're, you're gonna, not eating. You're, you're gonna get eaten. Yeah, you're gonna you, get eaten. You yeah. will be. Eaten. You're not eating. You're getting eaten. So I think, uh, yeah, I think that's definitely. You know. that, that's the conclusion I think of of today's episode. You know, <laughs> really. That was honestly that was a fucking perfect wraparound. I uh, mean, you know, we'll talk about a lot. You know, we'll talk about politics, government, philosophy, whatnot. Uh, I think, in my opinion, you know, that's exactly it. Exactly it. If eat, yeah, eat or be eaten. Eat or be eaten. Fucking simple as it is, but that's the saying. Uh, yeah. I mean, I guess that's it. So. And on that note, thank you for being here. Hey, it's a good night, ladies and gentlemen. Three twenty in the morning, getting Hef- shit done. This is Heffler. You know, there's no days off. There's no moments off. You put in the work, you put in the grind, and you get there no matter what. No excuses. Unmapped, ladies and gentlemen. I believe we are signing off for now. But stay hungry, stay eating, and have a good day. Or night. Or night. Signing off. Peace. Bye-bye.